0: Rhode Island History Podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for uh, subscribing to the podcast. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and family or or whoever, or maybe your enemies. I'm not sure. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. The podcast has made some circulation. I can see um, the, the numbers and who is listening, and I really appreciate it. Again, this effort is just me trying to get stories about our state's history out there so people can listen to it on their commute to work, their commute from work, or their commute anywhere they're going, or if they're just trying to relax at home. I'm not asking for money for this. I'm just asking for um, a share, and a like, a retweet, or whatever it is. But um, I really appreciate it. My guest for today uh, is talking about the history of, well, pretty much the history of Garden City in Cranston, which uh, I know that most of you listeners have probably been there. It's the only place in the state where there is a container store, I'm pretty sure, other than going far south, maybe. Um, so, you know, it's a major staple, I guess, for the Providence area. Uh, Gloria wrote an article, which I'll share in the show notes for this, um, about the Cranston coal mine. And some of the complicated points of its history, but you should listen to this episode anyway, because uh, Gloria and I talk a lot about not only the history of Cranston Cole, it's troubled history also, um, but we get into, you know, writing history, the whole idea of causality in history, and then we also briefly discuss some of our favorite food places in Providence. It was just a great episode altogether. I'm really thankful that Gloria came on uh, we were supposed to do this weeks ago, but because of what happened with Russia and my exit from Russia, uh, we had to postpone it. So I'm really happy that she was willing to uh, reschedule and then um, record it today. So without further ado, here is uh, here is Gloria Paola talking about the Cranston coal mine.
1: Hi, um, my name is Gloria DePaola. I am I'm um, I'm in my early 80s. I uh, am have always been passionate about history. I've always loved it. Um, majored in it in college, and I uh, also have been a freelance writer on uh, food uh, and travel. and um, Several years ago, uh, a new uh, organization started called for Rhode Island called Small State Big History. And uh, it takes the uh, every week it runs a, an, um, a history story about Rhode Island. And uh, after it started, I submitted the idea of a, an article about a coal mine that used to exist. Uh, under a major outdoor mall in Rhode Island called Garden City uh, Shopping Center, very popular place. And um, it came to the state I believe around the 1960s which was when the coal mine petered out. Um, The reason I was interested was because uh, in 2001, uh, they were remodeling the parking lot, or at the at the um, mall, and th- there was a collapse. There, the uh, the machinery was so heavy, you know, the trucks and so forth, that the parking lot collapsed, and it led a very large opening. It was kind of startling and it, there was a story in the Providence Journal that sort of casually mentioned that was probably because of undermining from a coal mine that had existed um, on the site years before and I was you know that's pretty startling information. There are no coal mines in the state that I know of. And I was very curious. So when Small State Big History started up, I thought, well, this is a great uh, opportunity to, you know, push me to look into this. And that's what I did. I started with the Cranston Historical Society and uh, James Hill, a curator there was very helpful so um
0: yeah i think that the the this topic of uh the fact that there was a coal mine in cranston is really fascinating you know (laughs) i and i have been to garden city many times it's the only place that in rhode island where there's a container store i think
1: yeah Um, i think it is you're right yeah and
0: and And, there's a there's a ll bean there as well mm -hmm, i think the far Um,
1: end yeah well actually that brings up the subject of that's where the the collapse was in front of at that southern end of the um uh, mall uh and in front of right around there the can the container store pottery barn that's just about wow. where it was at the time the um in 2001 there was a borders bookstore there they've since gone out of business but
0: so that so in that sense the literally that revenge of the past, right? That sinking of the hole is, is what got you into uh, this the story, telling the story?
1: Well, yeah, it, it, it was just the idea of a coal mine. I, how could that be, you know? And um, so, yeah, that, that curiosity, I guess the topographical curiosity of the whole mm-hmm. thing got me uh, interested.
0: So when you, I, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I
1: uh, also have to credit the uh, Rhode Island Historic Society, but there is a lot of information online about reports that had been made from the very beginning, which was, I would say, about 1860s when coal was kind of discovered at the at, on that site. Um, should I talk about that?
0: Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you next. Yeah. Um, uh, What's the early history of this coal mine? How was it discovered? And, and what were the potential benefits of having a coal mine in Rhode Island?
1: Well, uh, it was in the latter part of the 19th century. Um, a man named Bud Long, which is you know the, a road near there, now it has been named after him, um, bought property to uh, open a plant nursery and um, he grew roses and and things like that, and and that was actually this, the derivation of the name Garden City, in that property yeah. in that area. He uh, it was started, off. and he discovered chips of coal in his soil, and I think it, he tried to use it, you know, filter it out and use it to heat greenhouses. And if, from the very beginning, none of that was satisfactory. It just simply was a bad product for any heating source. And um, I, I guess they went on. And um, the reason it would have been so beneficial to have coal in, in a location like that, New England at the time was a booming um, industrial economy. Cities like Fall River, Providence, even as far as Lowell, um, Taunton, Massachusetts, would have really benefited from having coal in a local spot. It's very expensive to transport coal from Pennsylvania, which was what they were using. They this is near ports. They could have, um, you know, shipped the coal in by by sh- by sh- ship, and it would have been much less expensive for the factories and for homeowners it was a big population center so the coal would have could have heated people's homes and so forth so surprisingly for all of that time for almost 100 years companies kept going on and trying to trying to find a way to make the coal useful and economic economical at the same time and from the beginning about um, at least 10 companies attempted to um, make the coal profitable despite the fact that there were many government reports and these are available online uh, saying that uh, in effect a fool and his money is soon parted you cannot that would be a Foolish endeavor to try to invest in this coal, that it just wasn't going to be a viable product for, um, you know, for the area. But surprisingly, as I say, many companies kept trying.
0: What was what in specific was wrong with the coal? Did the did the uh, report well, say?
1: I'm not a, an engineer or a geologist, but yeah, uh, it contained moisture. It was uh, uh, chlorine and uh, other products that just gave it very difficult, made it very difficult to ignite it. Mm. And then, um, uh, and then it, when it finally did, it burned in t- so intensely and then it went out. I mm. mean, the geologists had said that it was fireproof. I mean, that's a sarcastic uh, way to put it, but that's literally what he meant. And there was an incident where the New Haven Railroad, another um, uh, business that tried to convert to uh, Cranston Coal, the um, train engineer tried to burn the coal on a test run to Lowell, Massachusetts from, I guess, Providence, and it was impossible. He had to make, I think they got to to Lowell, but they just couldn't bring the train, the plane, um, the train back. It it was- uh, It got stuck. It got stuck, and the fireman expressed himself. He was furious at the difficulty that he had to go through to keep the thing going and finally you know it just didn't it just didn't work so it was an impossible situation and New Haven Railroad at that point said you know they washed their hands of it Um, but it destroyed um, the um, it burned so hot that it just destroyed the equipment if you put it into a home Oil a uh, furnace, you know, to heat your home. It would burn out the griddle, the grill or the, the equipment. So, uh, you know, and they tried a lot of different things at one point, they, they multi-step process to break the coal into bits and and repackage it into briquettes, smaller pieces that perhaps could, and that didn't work. Um, it also left. What they call clunkers, which is the residue of burning coal, and a high, you know, a lot of that. So it, that was, that had to be removed. Um,
0: so it and- seems like the, the early efforts to use the coal were mostly for industrial purposes, like transportation or something like that. In the the later efforts to market the coal, did you get any sense of if it was more uh marketed towards like the average consumer instead or did it sort of stay industrial and then just peter out as as my
1: impression was that um to make it um viable for the average consumer and that would have been a good market they had to lower the price of it in order to make it competitive with coal anthracite coal from pennsylvania so, you know, they were selling it to consumers at a, at a loss and that, that wasn't going to go very far. So, um, and, and I guess can, it must have been very dissatisfying to the local homeowner to, to the frustration of trying to, um, you know, burn coal, keep it going, not destroy your furnace and and then have to remove this you know these clunkers that as they call that stony residue so um, no totally unsatisfactory Mm -hmm.
0: did you get any sense uh while you were researching about um the the workforce in the coal mine or work conditions and and how you know what was it like to work at cranston coal when it was uh, a coal mine
1: well Physically, it must have been awful. Um, maybe even worse than the local fact mills that you know were notorious. Um, there was, I think, a two thousand foot shaft dug, and um, you'd have to go down into the bottom of it, um, holding onto a rope re- bannister, in effect. So you hold on to this thing. The workers down at the bottom of the shaft, it was always leaking water. And they were st- in standing water, I assume in rubber boots at least, but you know, working in those dripping condition, there was always water coming down, dripping, dripping, sometimes in a you know, rainfall. Mm-hmm. So it was slippery and unpleasant and um, and dangerous. There was in the the There was in the 50s, I believe, just before the mine finally closed down, uh, one death from a a worker who died there, young man. Uh, So after that tragedy and all of this frustration, the, um, you know, the mine sort of petered out because at that, around that same time, uh, an Italian immigrant, and I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of him, Melic Castro, I believe it was, uh, was starting to build Garden City as a planned community with homes, you know, school, church, and then the, the guard and the, and the shopping center. So that was becoming a great success. The suburbs were growing. This was a perfect um, uh, subst- you know, replacement for the mine and uh, the mine uh, shaft and the building was where Friendly's is, approximately where Friendly's is now on Reservoir Avenue.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's so bizarre to think of the geography of this mine in terms yes. of these companies that we recognize that now, I know, I now know. sit there. It yeah. makes you wonder, you know, y- you mentioned the the giant hole that opened up um in 2001 was it 2001 Mm -hmm. uh were there measures taken after that to avoid a similar thing happening you know I don't want to be shopping at container store one day and then all of a sudden a big hole opens (laughs) up it's not gonna happen (laughs) Uh, well
1: from what I read the um uh the mine the parking lot was the was the danger point you know um it was, uh, the stores apparently were built for some bizarre but lucky reason for the owners of the of the present mall. The stores seem to be on more solid ground. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's kind of uh, funny that it was the parking lot that collapsed after many, many years. I mean, 50s to tw- 22,000. Right. Um, they, uh, and, and under the heavy equipment that was, you know, placed there or parked there while the renovations were going on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the expansion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I drive a truck, so it's sort oh, of so you're be... <laughs> <laughs> it, it could still happen. I need to be careful where, where I Maybe park it. Park in the,
1: the post office parking lot behind, <laughs> <you know? laughs> or Whole Foods. <laughs> uh,
0: one one thing that you say in your article that I thought was really interesting is that you posit towards the end that perhaps Rhode Island was lucky to have inferior coal. And I wanted to see if you could elaborate on that. and in, in what sense do you think it, it was lucky that it, it worked out the way it did?
1: Well, um, I, I wrote the article in 2016. I mean, just starting off, I think coal mining is not um, a preferred... A way to make a living, an occupation. So I think for uh, any young men who are in a vicinity where there's coal, they're probably drawn to coal mining. In our case, it wasn't an opportunity that you would um, seek out after graduating from high school or even younger. So for that alone, just that there, it wasn't a draw for as an occupation here, mm-hmm. but at that time, um, in, in 2016, there was uh, the um, states of Kentucky, uh, Eastern Kentucky, and West Virginia were really dependent on coal. I mean, coal was slowing down, uh, you know, five or six years ago, and and on the way out. But still there were the, the economies of those two areas were very dependent on coal and that was creating a recession in that area. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we were lucky not to be dependent on coal. Other industries uh, were booming up until I would say the 1920s when textiles, you know, the jewelry industry kind of died out in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And all of that work was expo- um, done in China. So uh, while we did have our downtimes as far as um, manufacturing, as the country was transitioning into technology, we were on that wave rather than mining, which was a pretty grim situation. For the workers and for those communities in Kentucky and West Virginia and I mean even now you know we still talk about we have to revive mining because of the business with with Russia but um it's not going to revive and it, it it's you know environmentally right. also it was a downer for it would have been for Rhode Island.
0: Right, you'd be tying the local economy to an industry that is just not viable in, in the long term. I, I yeah. think comparing it to like Kentucky is a, is a great idea, uh, is, a, is a great move. Um, it's sort of a mistake of, uh, a positive mistake of history, I guess, is yeah, dumping probably. this inferior coal onto Rhode Island.
1: Yeah, maybe we should emphasize that, um, you know, the Rhode Island economy did, was on the downs slope in the 70s, but so was the country. I mean, we were changing into technology, and uh, so there was a lot of displacement, and, you know, it's still reflected now, but I think it would have been much worse if we had a viable or a thriving coal mine or Mm. coal industry in the state.
0: Right. Um, So, now that we, we've sort of laid the history out of this coal mine, you did a great job by the way. Uh, yeah. uh, I th- think we can move to some more uh, historical questions, questions based on, on the trade of history itself and doing history. So just to start, what were some of the, the sources that you used to write this article? You had mentioned um, the Rhode Island Historical Society uh, and you also mentioned um, the scientific the Cranston
1: historical society,
0: Cranston historical society that was the
1: place I started. Yeah.
0: And, and what were some of the documents that you, that you used? Oh
1: my gosh. Well, a lot of it, um, a lot, the, a lot of the, uh, uh, there is online also, there are a lot of uh, documents, the reports that, that were made by the, um, engineers and government, um, uh, agents who came to study the mine. I mean, we didn't mention this, but during World War II, the federal government wanted to give it another shot, so to speak, because it would have supplied energy for all of New England during mm-hmm. the, uh, so they tried. And a lot of those documents and earlier reports um, are online. The, um, the Cranston Public Library was helpful uh, with local, uh, uh newspapers, you know, uh, describing elements of the coal mine, or there was one report by a um, Providence Merchants Association, sort of a chamber of commerce at the turn of the 19th, 20th century. Um, and it had a very um, optimistic report mm-hmm. that the Cranston coal mine could produce uh, 19 tons uh, a day or you know if properly operated. Mm-hmm. So that that report is available uh, at the library um, and also online and uh, I, I, I think that's you know that it Jim uh, Hall from the Cranston Library actually remembered um, you know, seeing it or uh, he said that they, the kids would play on the coal piles piles of coal and go home so d- dirty Whoa. you know we're playing there <laughs> so he wild. had some reminiscences too about it
0: <laughs> yeah that i mean because the history i guess is in living memory right i mean yeah um,
1: yeah so, exactly.
0: you know even in my own lifetime growing up around here i've seen buildings come up and go down uh, in different uh, so I can imagine that uh, seeing what garden city is today is probably amazing and, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, how did you personally get into studying history you said that you studied it um, in college um, yeah what drew you to history in particular
1: I, I it's not dates or things like that it's just the stories and, and realizing how one action, you know, leads to another might be a generation later. Mm-hmm. You know, the inevitable. I mean, just thinking of World War II, the fact that, um, uh, you know, the um, the harsh uh, reparations that France demanded from Germany led to Hitler's uh, revenge and determination to conquer France. Um, and yet you could understand France wanting reparations that were perhaps um, too too severe for the economy of Germany to, to, to pay it back mm-hmm. because France was devastated. The country was was shell-shocked and pockmarked with um with devastation of World War One, So, you know, those kind of um, revolving stories and how things end up years later, uh, just as what we're going through now with, with Russia, I mean, and, and Ukraine.
0: It seems like, so, um, what you're talking about is a, a form of causality in in historic in history itself in the trajectory of history and the stories that accompany thinking about the causes of historical events or or even people's rise to to fame right. or, power he, or whatever the
1: personalities of people and how they in um uh, affect history of, of their day but then right. then there's uh, you know uh, effects that show up Generations later, and I, I find that just fascinating. Yeah.
0: I think the question of causality itself is super interesting in history, and the, you know the best example is World War One, in my opinion, where um, there's you know three hundred plus books written about the beginning of World War One and why it started. Yeah. Each one of those books making a slightly different argument about what started it, whether it was uh, the assassination of the Archduke directly, whether Mm -hmm. it was Russia's mobilization, whether Germany wanted the war altogether, yada, yada, and that the explanations go on and on. And what I sort of understand is that um, when thinking about it in terms of causality, there's sort of multiple causes for a single event, right? And and that's what's so interesting to me is that Mm -hmm. rather than thinking about history as a linear trajectory of one line you we can think of it more as like a 100 lines moving in the same direction you know doing going crazy different ways but then eventually kind of meeting at a point and then
1: point a crisis point yeah yeah
0: and i I think you're right to to draw the uh the analogy draw the conclusion of you know what's going on right now in the world um Mm -hmm. in ukraine and in russia
1: Yeah. yeah Um yeah, uh, uh, the combination of events, I guess, the antagonism that I gather Ukraine has toward Russia, where during World War One, I, I guess they sided with the Germans and you know, or you know, welcomed them is what mm-hmm. I've read. Um, because Russia was so harsh toward Ukraine or caused a famine. So yeah, there are so many elements that go into uh, and lead up to a final ex- crisis that uh, I, I just, you know, as I say, I think that's amazing. And there's so much you can look at. And as you say, come fr- come to it from so many different points. The and I guess the person it, and, this, and the. Mm-hmm.
0: No, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, you know, events, c- conditions, situations in a country, the culture and, and the people, and then there's a spark, perhaps with the personality that comes along and, you know, well, hey, look at our last, um, before last presidential election. Uh, you know that Trump took advantage of a lot of discontent Mm
0: -hmm. that had
1: been building up for years that maybe we didn't realize right and
0: and I think that the same that same sort of understanding can probably be applied to Cranston Cole right there's so many efforts to try to get this to work before people finally come to the conclusion that this is just not going to work let's Let's stop the effort. Let's yeah. you know. Not do and there that.
1: was a better, um, a, a better situation coming along. Suburbanization and this um, immigrants urban plan mm-hmm. to develop the area.
0: Uh, That's true too. Yeah, the, I guess that the the who would finally, be the you know the wealthy developers found that rather than extracting coal, they could probably make more money through uh, building suburbs and in the uh, 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 commercial mm. centers and stuff yeah um uh on a personal level you mentioned that you write about food and travel um so i wanted to ask you it sort of put you on the spot right now uh do you have a favorite restaurant in in rhode island
1: oh god you know they come and go so fast and i hear Good. about them and say oh, i've got to try that um well uh my husband and I used, you know, we, it's hard to eat out or, you know, for the past two years, it's been difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah um, z- z- uh, oh, cafe on, oh my God, it's the name escapes me. It starts with a Z. Um, and another favorite is Kav, a Kav? CAV. A C-A-V, CAV. yeah. Uh, in the jewelry district.
0: I'm trying to uh, uh, look at if I can find a cafe on Z anywhere.
1: Zuma and, Cafe. Zuma. Zuma. Zuma? Yeah. Uh huh. On Federal Hill. Zuma. Always reliable, good Italian food.
0: <laughs> Zuma on Federal Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Every time I go down Federal Hill, there's so many Italian restaurants that I get overwhelmed. Uh-huh. And then yeah. I just decide, you know what? I want Mexican food instead. <laughs> it's too, too many choices of Italian I wonder
1: stuff. if Tortilla Flats
0: is still... Oh yeah, it's still open.
1: It's still, are they still there? That's over 50 years old, I guess.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's um on Hope Street, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. It's, yeah, It's still on Hope Street. It looks like they remodeled not too long ago too. It, yeah. It's kind of new. Um, oh. Zuma. I'm going to have to try Zoom out. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Do you
1: have any recommendations? <laughs> uh,
0: well, let's see. That's a hard one. Um,
1: well, any, I, you know, uh, we're not, not always interested in um, uh, upscale places.
0: Yeah, I understand. Um, uh, let's see. There used to be a really great bakery at the end of at the other end of Atwell's called Blush, but they just closed. It was a all vegan bakery that had like donuts and everything. It was very uh-huh. delicious, but oh, they closed really? recently. Uh, if I had to pick, and
1: that Gray's also closed. It was a restaurant right at the uh, as you go up Broadway
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the left. That no, was it called Gray's or something else? It was a vegetarian restaurant
0: a lot of vegetarian places coming up in providence right now or, or oh, at least yeah. you know places having options with it um uh if i had to pick one place two places maybe in providence uh i think garden grill is always sort of a staple oh yeah um yeah. if you've been there that's yeah. also on hope street i think
1: and next door to that is the Garden. it's in it's in Patucket.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's I don't
1: have border there. Um and the uh what is it? It's not Ra- Rasa.
0: Ross, oh. yeah, yeah. Ross,
1: Rasoy. Rasa is in East Greenwich. Um but Russoi yeah, that, that was, that's a favorite too. That uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um and if I had to pick another another place, huh? Um that, uh Cafe Azul, uh I think it's called Cafe Azul. Wait a minute. It's a they do like Mexican food. Um uh yeah, Casa Azul. That's what it's called. It's a very small kind of like uh Mexican restaurant. You can eat inside. It, it, it's it's open back up. Um, but very authentic, I think, and and really good. Um
1: what part of town is that?
0: That is um smith street i believe
1: oh okay
0: yeah i I think it's over there i may be wrong about that i have to wait a minute i i just pulled it up uh no i'm sorry it's allen's ave there it is
1: oh okay i yeah
0: other side uh yeah it's allen's ave so it's down there which is weird right because there's not a lot of places no
1: food places down there well great i'll i'll certainly check it out
0: all right well, thank you so much for coming on and doing the interview. It was super I hope it's, I
1: hope it's um, uh, you know, I hope it wasn't too stuttery and.
0: No, not at all.
1: Okay. Well, it was a delight talking to you, Alex. And I hope I do want to, um, I will check in on your recorded talk tonight and okay. good luck with that. And, uh, and I'll so, send it to you. Thank you. And. How is this? Um, is this going to be a podcast?
0: Yeah, I will send you the link for oh, to find the podcast. So uh, it appears um, pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts. So like okay. Spotify or Apple or or anything like that. But I'll send you a direct link to the Terrific. recording that's up. Okay, right.
1: wonderful. Thank you so much. It was All fun right. doing it, and a great meeting you. It
0: was my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks
1: Good to luck you, to too. you. See ya. Thank you.